you kick down walls and anyone who tells you you can't you take your fears your insecurities your worries you roll them all up into a ball you turn those son bitches sideways and stick them straight up that candy pick your goal and stick fucking to it you wishy-washy motherfuckers i can't fucking stand you I wanted to make sure that out of the 24 hours of the day, that I don't waste one single hour. Those hours were too precious. And so there I just want to tell people, don't give me this thing, I have a difficult time, I need the time, and I don't have time for this, and I don't have that. You have time. You make the time. And now, welcome to the Be Informed Live Fit Podcast, sponsored by fitnessinformant.com. And he kill it while you sitting down, bitch, about how I triple my fan base Now worth bench, can't say there's worse, bitch Do something, fuck it, I prove something Don't switch up, still admit your best first bitch I'm around my shit And CEO Ryan Buckeye Great episode for you all this week Terrence Ruffin, he is Classic Physique Finished second at the Arnold Classic But what came from that weekend was all the hype Surrounding his posing routine Because I believe that Terrence is the best poser in all of bodybuilding. I had to have him on. I met him back in September. And just, you know, we talk about, during the podcast, we talk about Flex Lewis. We talk about Jay Cutler. And I say that those two are extremely kind, soft-hearted individuals who don't need to be. Terrence was, I mean, Terrence and I had dinner together. We hung out together that weekend. um, And I got to know him a little bit more. Uh, And to be completely transparent and honest, and I told him this, I didn't know who he was when I first saw him. But, I believe now the world of bodybuilding knows who Terrence is based on his performance at the Arnold, but also uh, he is being just a, a solid ambassador to the sport of bodybuilding, and he's a fan of the sport, and he's a student of the game. And we talk about when he sat down and, and we listened uh, to Kai Green talk about the artistry of bodybuilding and posing. And, and for me, advocates for the sport and people who are passionate about the sport and who love the sport as much as Terrence does and who does all the right things are people the sport needs more of. And I'm, I'm super happy we're able to get him here on the podcast. Um, it, the podcast goes for 50 minutes with him, 51 minutes and six seconds, I believe is what it was. So I don't need to spend a lot of time here on the opening. Um, I'm talking about it. But, you know, the Olympia is, as of this recording, I think 13 weeks away uh, in Vegas in December at Planet Hollywood. We're excited about the event this year. Uh, we don't know whether or not spectators are going to be allowed at the event. We don't know if there's going to be an expo, but we do know that Terrence will be competing in Classic Physique, going for the Olympia title, going against guys like Chris Bumsfeld, guys like Alex, guys like, I mean, just anybody in that division. Also, you know, that weekend is surrounded with a lot of hype with Dexter Jackson's impending retirement, with Phil Heath returning to the sport, and with Brandon Curry feeling disrespected, as nobody's giving him seemingly credit for being the uh, Olympia champion in 2019. If you guys like what you hear on this podcast, hit that subscribe button on iTunes, Spotify, or watching via YouTube. Help us out by writing us a review. Helps out the algorithm, good or bad and different. Whatever you feel from the podcast, we appreciate it. Uh, I'm going to sit back, shut up, and let my man Terrence Ruffin, uh, we call him you know, Tough Diesel here as well if you follow him on social media, take over. And we talk about everything from you know, his childhood to posing to bodybuilding to his coaches. Uh, it's a very enlightening conversation with a man I highly respect, and I wish him obviously nothing but the best come December and throughout the future of his bodybuilding career. This is your personal invitation to the Redcon 1 Alpha Team, our new exclusive subscription program. Enjoy members-only access to the Alpha Team apparel collection, 
priority customer service privileges, early shopping on major deals, exclusive flavor selections, and a whole lot more. This is your opportunity to become a Redcon 1 VIP. There's limited spots available, so go to redcon1.com and sign up today. Guys, welcome back inside the Be Informed Live Fit podcast. If you're watching via YouTube across the screen, uh, in my opinion, you're looking at the best poser in all of bodybuilding, Terrence Ruffin, my man. How are you? I'm good, man. How you doing today? I'm good, dude. I mean, does that does that ever get old? Because I'm not the only person that's ever said that to you that they think that you are like the ideal poser. And, and by poser, like obviously you're not a poser, but like your posing routine is off the charts good. I oh, appreciate it, man. Yeah, I hear. I mean, yeah, I hear it more and more um, as the years go by. Ever, you know, since like 2018. So, um, yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm getting used to it now. Yeah, I'm getting used to to the the, the praise. Finally, two years later. I think so. a lot of people, you know, they they look at bodybuilding. It's like, yeah, I want to try my hand at that. I I lift weights. I eat right. I can get the body in shape. 
but what they underestimate is that part. And it's not easy. I mean, to perfect your craft, and I know that you're a perfectionist when it comes to your posing routine, like how many hours a week as you're leading up to a, a competition are you in a posing room with a posing coach working on your stuff? Well, I don't have a posing coach. Um, I maybe had a couple people help me when I first started, um, you know, to learn the basics. But yeah. no, I've never had like a posing coach. But uh, as for time in the gym, it's changed over the years, uh, for sure. Um, and it depends on the routine and, and things like that. But um, in the beginning, when I first was starting to learn everything, obviously, you're going to have to spend a lot more time learning and and, and doing certain things. Um, I would spend maybe an hour, an hour um, after my workout, yeah. um, you know, posing and trying different things out. And, um, you know, now I don't need to spend quite as much time. And I get a lot of practice still throughout the day from uh, helping posing clients here and there. So it's a little different, but yeah. Um, so the routine I'm working on now, I'm probably gonna start it like literally this week. Uh, I'm like 13 weeks out, so I'm gonna start practicing it now. Mm-hmm. Um, same, if anyone's interested, yeah, Lee Labrada hit me up um, to help him find songs for his son. Um, so they're getting started soon too. So uh, me and I guess me and Hunter are starting around the same time. Yeah. Uh, I already got my song picked out, luckily. So um, yeah, so about this amount of time. But I've done routines. So like, um, I've done routines that have taken me about a week just because I had guest posings, you know, back to back to back. Yeah. Um, so it really just depends. All right, take me take me through the process because do you use a do you hire a professional choreographer? Or are you writing all? Your, are you doing all your own stuff? I do all my own stuff. Yeah, I mean that's impressive because I know a lot of the like a lot of the open guys. Some of the open guys will get choreographers, and I know like I think Regan's working with one now. But do you start with? Walk me through the process it takes you to pick the song because like I urge everybody listening and watching this podcast go back and watch your routine from the Arnold. Like, that's a song that I know you absolutely love and you killed it with the routine, but it's probably a song most people have never heard before. So it's, you know, for you to find a song and pick the perfect song for your routine, like, how does that process start? Well, yeah, that's literally the first thing you have to do when you make a routine, too, so that's a good place for us to start. Um, yeah, man, so with that song, it's kind of funny. I found that I had a, I originally was going to do a different song, but it didn't feel quite right, the energy of it. Um, so... One thing I've learned is um, you can like a song, but it may not be the right song to put or have on stage. Uh, it has to have, in my opinion, it has to have a couple of qualities. And uh, so you say, for instance, I, and, I, and I'm going to use a couple of examples. Let's say for Dexter Jackson, Cedric, and Cedric McMillan, they're great posers. Um, but a lot of times they they don't have a single routine that stands out, and I think that's more so the music choice they they do. Mm-hmm. Because um, if it doesn't like evoke a certain emotion or a certain like feeling within a person, then they're gonna forget it. Um, with the song I chose for like that one, and even the one with Survivor, obviously Survivor was a good song choice. I think even if I would have found a song uh, that I could po- do the same routine to, and it was just a different song, it wouldn't it wouldn't be as popular. Um, I like songs that um have a different difference in tempo so like a lot of my songs they'll start off slower they'll build up some um they'll build up and then they'll hit like a crescendo and then they kind of slow down a bit again you can almost think of it like it's basically all the songs i choose are movie trailers and that's what they're trying to do in a movie trailer they're trying to get you to feel something so you want to go see that movie um 
And so, yeah, yeah, that's kind of how I go into it because I like certain songs. I'm like, oh, well, that's kind of slow. It's kind of, it doesn't have a certain feeling or this song's too fast the whole time through. You know, it doesn't have any like build up to um, like anticipation. So, um, yeah, yeah, it's kind of tough sometimes. Yeah. So you start with the song. Obviously, you pick it. It means something to you. Then you start writing the routine. And I would assume when you're writing your routine or going through your routine, you obviously want to hit your best poses, right? You want to make sure you get the best angles for the judges. But um, is it difficult for you to put together, like how, from, from picking a song to getting to the point where you're comfortable with that routine that you put together, is that a lengthy process? It depends. It, all of it depends. Uh, it depends on the song a lot of times. So, like, if there's a song, uh, <clears throat> it really depends because I want to do – certain things within the routine like sometimes i want to have certain transitions or this or that especially like let's say if i pick a song and it has words in it it's not like a, a instrumental i want to be able to do certain things that match the words in the song so i have to kind of think about that but then also having transitions that work uh very well and then also choosing poses that work work well with me that part's getting a lot easier as i put on more sides and have a more balanced physique it was a lot harder um like two years ago because I'm like, man, I don't look good <laughs> in like half these poses. But now I, my arms got a little bit better, my upper body got a little bit better, and now I can hit a lot more poses that uh, I couldn't hit before. So that opens up a lot of opp opportunities posing-wise and posing choice-wise for me. So it makes that that process easier, mm -hmm. actually. Um, but yeah, 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 I, I think... Um, that's kind of that's kind of the next step is uh, for people when they're trying to make a routine, kind of write out the poses that look the best on you, and that's how I kind of do it with people I work with. I'm like, hey man, let's find out poses you like and the poses that look best, and then from that point on, we put those in first, and then poses that maybe look less good, we can maybe use those to help you get to another like position because I don't want people just to kind of hit a pose, then kind of muddle about into another one. I want it to flow well, so. We may have to throw in a pose that doesn't look quite as good, but it still works to help you get to the next one. Yeah. A lot of people, bodybuilding fans, have probably watched Pumping Iron. They've seen Arnold do like dance class and, and, and take ballet and things of that nature to get him to be a better poser. Anything that you do out of the ordinary that you've done in the past to get you to be a better poser? Nah, man. Just um, I've had I have a natural, I guess, natural talent for it. Yeah. It took me a while, man. It's, it just kind of clicked. I think any any professional. Um, there's a mixture of things. There's, there's a mixture of, to be a professional, you need to have both knowledge and experience. And um, the knowledge comes from just watching other um, bodybuilders in the past and watching their routines and learning from them. The experience just comes from me just becoming, like, competing for so long. You know, I've had 2018, that's, like, I think that was my first good routine, the, uh, the Survivor Toronto Pro routine. Um, but before that, I mean, you could see that I, I my routines were never bad. They were always interesting, I think. But there, it wasn't really polished until that point. And it just, at that point, for some reason, it all clicked. Um, I had enough experience. I can kind of understand things a little bit better. So, um, but I would like to take some dancing classes, actually. I was looking around. And um, I think the one, I was looking around at different types of dance classes and stuff like that. And honestly, I think the best one for me would be uh, there's a style of uh, dance called contemporary. Yeah. And I think that's as close as we we can get as bodybuilders to like a dance style. Ballet is also a good choice, I mean, but um, I definitely think contemporary would be better if people are trying to choose a dance class to get into. What I enjoyed is when we were uh, in South Florida, 
like October, I think, of last year, you and Kai Green had a conversation, quite a long conversation, just about the artistry of bodybuilding and how it's been missing. Um, you know, Kai, great poser. Like, I think everybody can, can say he does a really good job, and he just on another level. And you were so in tune to that conversation. You're a student of the game. Um, but do you agree with his assessment that we are that element of artistry, like the beautifulness that comes with posing, has been, let's just say, mediocre at best? I think overall, yeah, yeah. There's definitely, and it's funny, man. Yeah, it's def- there's still like I will say, uh, people trash, you know, bodybuilders a lot. There, and they don't like to give credit to the ones that are still doing a great job in the open class. You know, since, I guess because that's probably that's guaranteed. That's what Kai was coming from. Yeah. There's still good posers. Cedric Dexter, uh, Hedy Tata is another guy I really like as a poser. Uh, Zane Watson, and um, there's there's probably a few more I'm I'm um, spacing on right now, but. There's still good pros out there, but like I think um, for the amount of pros we have now compared, compared, you know, obviously we usually compare it to like the 70s. For the amount of pros we have now, the amount of good pros that we have is definitely less sure. than what we had back in the day. So, um, yeah, I definitely think it could be um, there could be more um, attention paid to it, and I, I see a lot of guys they do want to uh become better <laughs> it's just tough for them you know what i mean i've had i've worked with a couple of pros my open body with the pros myself so um there is some interest in there it's just some type sometimes there's a disconnect with uh some people just need help you know what i mean um shoot, oh um yeah because i mean like Della rosa and john De La Rosa has reached out to me and a couple other guys but i will say uh yeah man i definitely think there is like if you're looking at it uh back in the 70s man they they didn't make money from bodybuilding you know um so they did it just because of the art just because they loved it you know Robbie Robinson worked for, most of these guys worked full-time jobs even in the beginning Arnold worked as a construction worker so um I think the difference is now bodybuilders can make a living from competing right. not all of them but right. you know a decent amount and um posing isn't like it it really isn't required like it's not judged only place it's judged is at the arnold and the thing is at the arnold you notice the posing's better there (laughs) than at any other at any other show yeah take me back to the arnold because uh interesting year this is probably one of the first times that you've probably the only time you've competed in a situation that was the arnold i mean we were ready to fly out four days before the event and obviously they canceled the expo no fans in attendance it was one of your best showings. I think from the from the weekend, like a lot of the, a lot of the, the feedback from the weekend, there was three things that came back. One was COVID, two was Dexter just missed it, and three was your posing routine that a lot of people thought you should have walked away um, with the first place trophy. I being one of them, Alex did a phenomenal job. Um, yeah. I thought that you had had it at that. Branch Warren once said the toughest loss in his career was finishing second. Um, how tough was it for you? Oh man, um, no, it was really tough. Especially now, I'm I'm fine. I'm actually really good and happy. Um, I, w- I still would love the Arnold <laughs> title, mm-hmm. the jacket, and everything. Um, but no, at the time it was really hard. And the reason it was hard was um, my coach had passed away, and we had this was the last show we had planned to do together. And um, I was really hoping to kind of take away that first place to kind of put a good end to like the our time together. Mm-hmm. So that's what made it um, really, really difficult uh, for me. I mean, um, I've, I, I've lost shows before, and, um, you know, it's whatever. But, yeah, that was really tough um, for me at that with that. But, um, 
I will say that um, the the literally the, the days leading after that show, it, it was one of it's literally one of the best experiences I've ever had. Where I've had I've had like uh, it was two Miss Olympias reach out to me and said I did a great job. Guys like Chris Kamir, Lila Brother, they they talked to me. Um, tons of people online, you know, said, "Oh, dude, I thought you should have took it." I got the uh, the magazine cover. Yeah. I got an eight page spread on the the month before this one. Um, so man, like honestly, like recognition wise and like just overwhelming support wise, it was better than any other show I've ever like any show I've ever won. You know. Yeah, I mean, so, I think you've been you've been known, but I believe after March, like people then knew like who you were based on what you've done and what you showed up. And that's no disrespect to what you did beforehand, but that show really kind of like put you on the map and in the eye. And as we lead to December, which is also another interesting um, component with, with the Olympia being pushed back. I mean, do you think the Olympia being three months later, does that benefit anybody in terms of having an extra couple months to grow, to get their body right for the show in Vegas? Uh, I mean, I, I mean like it's yes and no. I mean, it, Kind of doesn't benefit people for like because they did have those first couple months where they couldn't do anything. So the, I think the timeline is kind of similar still. But yeah, it, at the same time, it does benefit them because yeah, the amount of time they lost, they get it back. So right. Um, but as for anything else, I don't think it made a huge deal. Um, I still feel people like me where we I just competed in March, so I, maybe I need a little bit more time to kind of rest up before another show. That's um, that's definitely a good thing for me. Um, but it's, it's kind of like, ah, it doesn't really matter. You know, how do you feel about it? The show? I mean, personally, you said you're kind of just going to start here with your, you're getting your posing routine and stuff ready. How are you feeling overall in terms of your body? How you feel about the show in December? I'm very excited, man. Like I'm even bigger than I was at the Arnold, um, starting out, which is awesome. Uh, man, you know, that's, that's definitely that, you know, I definitely have to be, (laughs) <laughs> Man, dude, that was always my critique. You need to get, you know, you need to get bigger, blah yeah. blah blah. You know, um, so I'm really happy that my body's finally like, okay, we're we're growing. And um, like you said, like my honor was my best showing because I took the year off. I didn't compete mm-hmm. um, in 2019 during that contest season. Right. And um, you know, I'm really happy that it actually paid off because in my mind I was like, well, you know. <laughs> What if I took this whole year off and I still look the same and place the same? And I'm like, yo, you know, but um, I was really happy with the, the changes that have that have happened since then. And uh, but no, I feel great. I think I can um, place top five. I'm pretty sure I'll place top five. I'm hoping I'm thinking the best I can get is maybe like a third place this year. Just being realistic with myself. Um, I is think that, I hard, still... that right there, like being realistic with yourself, is that difficult? Because obviously you want to win, right? You're going against mm-hmm. you're going against la- going against last year's champion. In Bumstead, you're going against the Arnold Classic champion and Alex yourself. I mean, I think mm. people look at it, they're like, well, you know, he says he the best he might finish is third. Like, why isn't he shooting for first? Well, obviously you're shooting for first, right? But like, is I it, mean, yeah, is it hard? I think to get it's funny, man. Some people, some people, they place how hard they work on how well they'll do at a show, and I'm like, yo, I'm gonna train as hard as I can, no, no matter what, because um, it's always funny. I get clients coming to me. And they say, they say, um, what do I need to work on? Like when they get to a contest, I'm like, dude, you should have been working this whole time hard. You know what I mean? It's, there's no, it's, there should be no difference, you know. And me being realistic is anything wrong with that, you know? Um, Chris Bumstead is an amazing athlete. Um, um, 
shoot, uh, dang. <laughs> uh, Breon, Breon is also an amazing athlete, and he's got ten years on me too. You yeah. know, so he's been doing this ten. You know, he's ten years older than me, I think. And um, I don't think there's any issue with me saying something like that. I definitely believe that I can beat them, and I've, I've beaten Chris once. I haven't beaten Breon yet, but I think it's possible looking at shots. I'm just realistic and knowing I'm not quite where I need to be to do that. And I know I still have plenty of room to grow, you know, um, which, you know, which is awesome. And um, I have I have time to get there. So uh, I think for some people, knowing that they won't do well at a show, I mean, I think I'm going to do well. <laughs> but yeah, right. Knowing that they won't get first, they kind of half-ass it. But that's not my, that's not how I, I do things. Would, yeah. it, would it shock you if you finish top two? If I beat Brian or Chris and I play so I would be I would be extremely happy. <laughs> I would be that would honestly I would be it would be no downside to that right. that week that whole weekend if I placed uh top two. <laughs> Even top three, man. If top five, I would be I would be sad I would be okay with. I'd be what's the word? But I I would definitely um be ready to go. I'll be ready to get back to work and do better. Top yeah. two, I'd be like, oh man, let me enjoy this for a second. Let right. me, you know. Um, who are you working with right yeah, now yeah. as you go in the Olympia in terms of your coaching staff? Like who's who's on Team Terrence right now? Okay, um, John Meadows is doing my yeah. diet and and my supplements. I've been working with him uh, for about a year now. Yeah, it was a year in August. Um, we started prep for Niagara Falls um, show and. Um, the funny thing is, I did that show just because I need I needed help getting back on track after after, after Matt passed away. So yeah. uh, we did that show, and um, I actually needed to do that show to, to do the Arnold, and I won that show, and they qualified me for this year's Olympia. So it all worked out, you know. Um, so you know, John, and then also my trainer is Joe Bennett. Yep. We train every day together. Um, I think he has been one of the the biggest uh, reasons for the the changes I've had over, you know, in between that year I took off. Right. So um, those are people in my corner right now, still supplements there, you know, my sponsors and everything. Right. So shout out to them. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Jason at Steel Supplements is still jacked as shit too, by the way. Just massive. Yeah, Jason massive. doesn't, it's funny, he doesn't train that often anymore, <laughs> but he's still bigger than like most of the people, you yeah, know, for sure. in the world. You have yeah. been... Um, I guess blessed with a series of, of pretty solid coaches. Obviously, we can talk with Matt. And Matt Porter is just—he's I mean, a. We had Matt on the podcast. Friends with Matt, shocked just like everybody else. Um, yeah. You know when that news came down, and like uh, you know, how did you how did you find Matt? I guess let's start with that. Like, I mean, Matt is extremely credible. <clears throat> like again, like I said, he's a great person. I, I don't think a lot. I don't know how many people know that as a person, he was a fantastic person and a great coach. Yeah. 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 I think, and it, you kind of see it too when, like, he passed, and the amount of like people who reached out and supported, and mm. and you know, sent money to his wife and his son. Right. You know, it was it was uh, I was really honestly, I was a, a bit. I mean, I was a bit surprised that you know he had that effect on that many people. Right. Um, but um, I met Matt in 2004, not not in person, but we contact I contacted him in 2014. Um, I was working with a local guy. He's a, still a friend of mine, Caleb Weatherington, but he knew um, his knowledge was limited. And he said, hey, man, I think you should find someone who can kind of help you to help take you to like the next level. And, yeah. I, and I was like, OK. And um, so I reached out to a couple people. I was 21 at the time and I didn't have a lot of money. So I reached out to one guy. He was like, this is the price. I couldn't afford that. And then I reached out. I was talking to one of Matt's clients. And um, 
I told him I really liked Matt and what he was doing. And uh, somehow he reached out to Matt and Matt gave me like a discount on his price, which was, I was like, okay, well, that's really, really nice of him. Right. <laughs> and so that's kind of how I started working with him. Um, I don't think I'm, I didn't meet him until, I didn't meet him until 2016 during uh, my first Olympia together. I stayed at his house and got to kind of really know him and everything that way. But yeah, it was two years, almost two years before I actually met him in person. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that, but you go from Matt and then, um, which is crazy because John is also just like an amazing human being. But we, <laughs> yeah. we, you know, we had a scare with John this year too. And I was just talking to Sean Clarido about this, right? Like you get the call, you get the text, you're like, right away for me anyway when i got the text i was like my mind went to the worst case scenario right away um yeah. you know how did you take that news when you heard about john dude it's hard man like um yeah because i've already been to the situation man it was really yeah i didn't yeah i just kind of um yeah i just kind of sat at home and didn't do anything um yeah like when i when i get stressed like i i was um i don't really eat so i just kind of sat and did nothing that's kind of what i do when i I get stressed, man. But um, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was that was, yeah. Does <laughs> so, it, does it, did um, it surprise you that John was back in the gym like super quick, <laughs> just nailing heavyweight again? <laughs> um, I don't know, man. I was. I'm just happy he's doing all right. I remember. I uh, he talked to me. I get because um, I called him a couple. I don't know how soon after, but I called him. I didn't want to. I didn't want to call like right when right. everything happened because you know he's probably got a million people. Um, so I called him and he's like, he told me kind of situation. He's like, yeah, he said he was feeling funny. And like, he said he, it wasn't like a super bad one where like you pass out and stuff like that. He just knew he didn't feel right. So he called the ambulance and like they, he just walked on the back of the, in the ambulance and yeah, he just talked to him the whole time. So he, it was never, every heart attack is serious, but it wasn't one of the ones that you see where people like literally fall to the floor and like, you know, so, um, I guess I'm I'm still surprised, but I, I was kind of happy that he was doing good. You yeah. know, he was up and moving around quickly. You know, for sure. Have you ever trained with John? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, funny thing, first thing I met I met John was in 2015. A couple, well, first time I met John was actually 2014 at at nationals. I didn't know who he was at the time. I was still new to bodybuilding. I just remember what, I was like, "Who's this guy? This big dude?" And he had all these freckles. I was like, "Oh, okay." And so <laughs> that's the rumor. That's my first my first thought when I saw met saw him for the first time. Um, he ended up coming down to my gym to do a seminar, and um, same thing. I knew the gym owners. You know, like I didn't have a lot of money, and um, I ended up what I did. He said I could train with him if I just helped promote the, promote his event. So, you know, I did that. I got to have an arm session with him, and then we. Uh, we had sushi together, and um, that's the first time I got to hang out with John. You know, 2000. That had to be 2015, and you know, shoot, was it two, four years later? I ended up working with him. So yeah. Let's yeah. talk about Joe then, hypertrophy coach, who a lot of people know who he is. He has a unique way of training, uh, more science-based training, I think, than anything. But he's still old school in some of the stuff that he does. Uh, when you mm. went to Joe. How much of your training did you have to adapt and change based on kind of his philosophies? Cool, cool, cool. Um, <laughs> so Joe came to me, actually. Okay. He reached out to me after, I want to say sometime after the Tampa Pro, um, he DM'd me. He said, hey, man, I'm a fan, and uh, but I see that there's some things with the training that could be better. And, uh, you know, obviously I knew. So the backstory is, like, I knew I had an issue with gaining size, and I knew there was something wrong. 
Um, cause I took 2000, I turned pro in 2014. So there was no classic physique. So I was trying to get bigger for the 212. So I spent 2015 trying to gain size. You know, I turned pro at 155 pounds. Um, the Tampa pro, I was 157. So I was like, okay, well, <laughs> so this wasn't much, not much. I mean, I look different, but I'm like, oh, not much weight was gained here. So I need to figure, I need to find something. I need to find something quick. So, um, I ended up going down there six and a half hour drive and um, I train with him. And the biggest thing was he pushes you a lot harder to take things to, to failure. Um, most pros, to be honest with you, and most pros will tell you too, they, they, uh, they don't, most pros don't take anything to failure. Right. Uh, and that's not saying they're not training hard or anything like that. It's just a different type of training, um, more volume and stuff like that. Is what most guys do: getting getting the pump, blood in the muscle, whatever. Um, I did that forever, and um, that wasn't really working for me. So um, I ended up coming to him, taking things, taking sets further, um, progressively overloading, tracking my sets, my reps, and all that, uh, my weight, and. Um, the coolest thing was that we did we i spent maybe two days there we trained uh twice a day and i told i remember telling him, i was like man like the the coolest thing was i was like man i'm not winded after this workout but i my legs are like destroyed yeah. <laughs> you know and i was like and that's pretty cool that's, i thought about that and um even from even from my body type where like i'm a smaller dude naturally i think lower volume helps because i don't need to be in there burning a ton of calories anyway right. you know so um it changed completely i i learned i learned the progressive overload training taking sets further um and i learned better exercise selection i've learned a lot from um being around him man i've learned a lot and it, it's helped my business and it helps me to be able to work from home and do a and do a podcast at 3 27 in the evening you know friday yeah no, I, yeah. I love Joe. I think Joe is one of the more intelligent trainers within this space. I mean, I worked with Matt Jansen. He did very similar too. He obviously like going heavier, going to failure, less reps, just heavier weight. And I put on size pretty quick too, just working with that. But, but before that, I was doing the same as you. A lot of more volume work and blood flow. Um, Strength isn't a slogan. You want to win this year? Yes, no! What time is it? Danger! What time is it? Danger! It's not an image you find on billboards or the big screen. It's never been about any of that. It's all around you. In everyday moments. Just waiting to be unleashed. Strength is the knowledge that inside you lies anything you've ever wanted to be. The confidence that your failures never define you. And the passion and purpose to drive beyond any limits placed upon you. When you call upon it, strength embraces you, challenges you, pulls you back up, no matter how many times you fall. It compels you to draw on courage, resilience, intensity, and hope, and expects your very best to help others find theirs. True strength demands you build more than muscle, not in pursuit of a personal best, but a better tomorrow for everyone.
providing my product is going to help you get to where you want to be. Five percenters is 5% of the people in the world that are willing to do whatever it takes to reach their goals. We're talking about business, success, education, willing to do whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. For the last two decades, we have been the best kept secret of the supplement industry. We've kept our heads down and worked. We pioneered full label transparency and full therapeutic doses because we believe that truly hard work requires truly effective tools. Two decades is a long time to commit to one pursuit, but when you act with purpose and become centered in yourself, eventually you realize that you were born and bred for this. The things you once thought impossible, you now do every day. We don't like the easy way, it just doesn't feel right. We'll take the long, hard road over a shortcut any day. It takes longer, sure, but in the end, you know you earned it. And with the right team behind you, pushing yourself further than you've ever been will be just another afternoon doing what you love most. Besides the Arnold, like what's been the <laughs> highlight of of your you know career thus far? Well, the, definitely the, the Arnold's the highlight. Right. But um, man, I've had a couple cool, and I don't have one man. I, I love a lot of the experiences I've gotten to have, man. I'll keep them real brief though. But um, let's see, my highlights have been being able to travel i've been to um el salvador um one of the best experiences i've ever had in 2017 i um honestly i had a weird i was kind of like having a weird like relationship with bodybuilding at the time i went there and it kind of renewed like my love of the sport um just because of the fans and how how much they loved it i'm like yo like if you know so um that was one thing i really really appreciated another highlight would be um, Lee Labrada, um, I got to meet Lee Labrada and he said he was a fan of my posing and that I was carrying on the church. I literally think Lee Labrada is the best poser ever uh, above anybody else you can name. Frank Zane, Kai Green, you know, I like those guys, but I literally, I hold Lee Labrada to the highest. And, uh, for him to say that, like, he <laughs> got me in my feels and, um, I'll say, the last highlight might have been 
my first Olympia, I had a lot of stuff like kind of go wrong, and for it to kind of happen was awesome. You know, I um, my inf- my credit my information got stolen on the way there, so I couldn't use my card. Uh, my jaw locked up, so I couldn't eat any solid food. Jesus. And um, yeah, yeah, happened. That I had to go to the ER the night before the show. <laughs> they gave me like some Valium or something. I think it was Valium, and then um, a muscle relaxer. Um, and uh, yeah, man, it was it was so getting through that was pretty awesome, man. I would, I'll never forget that. That was sure. a crazy time. Yeah. Tell me, so. all right. So let, let's 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 hit the rewind button and tell me about your childhood growing up. Where'd you grow up? What things were you into? Um, I grew up in a, a very well. I, I've, I grew up in Alabama. I lived in two places um, during my time there. Uh, my younger years were mostly spent in Mobile, Alabama. And then um, around high school, I uh, I moved and I ended up going, living in a very small town because we went to take care of my grandmother. Mm-hmm. Uh, we moved to Beatrice, Alabama, population maybe 300. Sure. So... Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I grew up there. I was into, you know, most kids into video games, playing outside. <laughs> right. um, I didn't know anything about bodybuilding or anything like that. Um, I played sports, football, track. Um, that was it. A little bit of kickboxing before I before I got to high school. But um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, mostly I was just normal kid, I think. Yeah. I feel like football is one of those sports at times that obviously introduce kids to the weight room at a young age uh, as you lift as part of team practices. But where where in your spectrum of life did you discover bodybuilding and why? I mean, did, did somebody push you towards it? Was it, I mean, or, or it's like one of those things, right? You get bullied and you want to fight back, so you get bigger. I mean, what, what's your story <laughs> and how you found the sport? Yeah. So I wasn't bullied in high school, man. Luckily, I was, when you're in a small town like that, um, the new kid is like the most interesting thing in the world, sure. you know? <laughs> so I was bullied in middle school, but, uh, um, I got into bodybuilding after I failed out of, uh, tech, it's called tech P train. It's kind of like a special forces in the air force. Okay. Um, so I felt, I fell out of that. And then there was a gym across the street. Um, and I started training. I uh, still didn't know anything about bodybuilding, but I put on like 20 pounds. Actually, at that point, I put on about 10, 15 pounds um, in maybe two, three months. And I was like, okay, this is pretty cool. And um, so I get my new job. They put me in uh, avionics. And um, I end up meeting these group of people. And I say, hey, man, maybe you should look into bodybuilding. So, um, some classmates of mine in in the course. Sure. So I look into it. I find this magazine, Dexter Jackson's on the cover. Of course. And it's yeah, first bodybuilder I ever saw, Dexter Jackson. And um, and um, at that point I was like, all right, oh, this is what I'm gonna do. So that's kind of how I found out about it. Sure. Tell me about your time in the Air Force then. I mean, it's it's those are decisions that you make. Um, and you make them as a child. You're in high school, right? Typically, when you make the decision to do those things. <laughs> Was there a reason? I mean, was there family history within the military? Just something that you thought might be you're interested in, or what's the story there? Um, so two things. One, um, there, I was in ROTC in, in high school, and I really, really loved that. Um, I grew up uh, with a single mom, and the guy, Major Brown, he was kind of like a father figure. Sure. He was very, I liked him a lot. Very, you know, smart, intelligent man. Very um, professional and everything like that. 
So I really enjoyed the structure um, from that. Um, I had a, I had, I held like a cool position, you know, they gave you like responsibilities and things like that. So I really enjoyed that. And um, so that was the one reason why I chose the Air Force because it was the Air Force ROTC. Sure. Uh, um, the other reason was I was kind of burnt out in school, man, burnt out. I graduated in three years, so I tested out of my all my, my uh, senior classes and um, I just didn't want to go to college i was tired of school but my mom was like you need to you can't just sit around right. so it's okay um so that's kind of the reason i chose that i was that's the kind of reason i chose that yeah very cool and uh, how long did you spend in before i mean you kind of were able to to do the thing now that you're doing six you know, years six years so um you can choose like a four or six year contract i chose the six year contract and at the end of it um my contract ended in 2017 and you know at that point i had already I uh, did one Olympia. I had a decent sponsor and things like that. So, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. My wife at the time, I was a little nervous, but my wife at the time, uh, my ex-wife now, she encouraged me. She's like, well, you know, you you could probably do better. I think the Air Force is kind of holding you bad because you have to do PT tests and stuff like this. And she's like, well, you know, maybe you should give this a, a full shot. And so I was like, okay. Cool. So it's kind of nervous, man, because they don't, they kind of, they kind of scare, they kind of make it scary. And then the thing is, too, with the military, they do so much for you. Right. Like, I had to learn, and like me being 17 when I joined, I didn't know how insurance worked or how to do certain things. And I had to kind of learn that, you know. I never had to do like application, job applications or anything like that. So it was a little, a little nervous, you know, getting out. But um, it really wasn't that bad, um, you know. Once everything was said and done, yeah. yeah. Uh, com- coming from a guy who was predominantly raised by his mother, and, and sim- you know, with you as well, like, what did the- they become? Kind of our best friends, right? Like, there, there are, there are, like this mentor, the the person we want to make happy. Um, the bodybuilding route. What did your family think of that? No, my mom was very supportive. My first progress photos, my mom took. Oh, really? Uh, my very cool. her, yeah. Once I was done with like the schooling, so the schooling. Um, so, so I said, remember when I said I found the magazine. Uh, actually, I watched out Attack P, and then I uh, did the other job. That took six months. So um, after that six months, I came back home uh, for a little bit, and I told my mom that's what I wanted to do. And uh, she was like, "Okay, okay." And I was like, "Did you want?" And I was like, "Hey, you want to take progress photos for me?" And she's like, "Yeah." So um, literally, my first photos were taken by my mom, which is pretty awesome. She's been to pretty much every show except two. Um, one because I told her last minute um, because I had no idea I was going to do it. Right. And two, one, the, the other one was just um, she couldn't get time off of work. So, um, yeah, she's pretty much been to every show I've done. And, um, yeah, very, very supportive. Do you have siblings? Um, I have a brother um, from my father. We, sure. we I, I keep in contact with him, but we didn't grow up together. Yeah, okay. Um, yeah. That's cool that your mom makes. I mean, because a lot of times family members, they want to support, but they don't understand the sport. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, when you talk about being in the Air Force and being involved in the military – those in my life who have been involved in the military seem to have very strong connections with classmates or people that they were, you know, in the military with. Do you have like a very niche, close group of friends from there, or even outside the military that is is now part of your your inner circle? No, man. You know, one thing I've noticed from like obviously I didn't I didn't graduate, but one I still got an idea of like the special forces yeah. and stuff like that. Um, there, the military. Just like anything, each job has different, um, what's the word, different vibes, I guess. So, yeah. like, 
I noticed with the guys that went through Special Forces, we were very close going through that because you kind of have to be because you see these guys every day. Um, they're trying to get you guys, get us to work on teamwork. If this guy shit isn't right, then everybody suffers, right. you know, type deal. So we got really, really close. Um, and even then, I still talk to I, I still talk to a couple of them, like not consistently, but sure. one of them, um, Lance, he owns a company uh, called uh, Thigh Huggers now. He does that. It's, it's a pretty big business now. And uh, he just the other day he was gonna send me something to kind of to kind of uh, try out. So, um, you know, but in my other job, you know, obviously, and I think most any job that requires combat, the guy's gonna be a lot closer. Yeah. Um, but I noticed in my other job, Avionis, it wasn't the same at all, you know, because there was no reason for us to have to do anything like that to to build those type of bonds. Like, everyone's cool. We hang out, but it wasn't the same, you know. Um, it's kind of like, you know, if you play a sport, football, basketball, whatever, you typically get really close with your, your teammates more so than just say someone else in, like, your history class yeah. a lot of time, you know. For sure. Kind of same, the kind of same thing there. Well, it's now it's like you're in bodybuilding, and you guys, uh, you know, for lack of a better term, I'm say you guys go to battle together on the stage. I mean, you guys kind of, I mean, I think for the most part, most bodybuilders like to support one another now. Obviously, there's going to be some trash talking, but it's not nearly as prevalent as it once was. I mean, yeah. within the sport, do you have some people who are, you consider pretty close friends? Yeah, yeah, man. I'm trying, I'm trying to, um, I, <laughs> another issue I have is is uh, staying in contact with people. I get so busy with life sometimes, man, like, you know, you forget. So that's one thing I've really been working on this year is to to build connections that I have and 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 make them a priority um uh, i'm really cool with ricky mode man he's a really good guy um you know you guys he can be that darn with me um one th- i know his wife his kid um they're awesome uh she's from el salvador so that's another thing we have in common you know yeah. it's really cool um so i think i talk to him the most now there's some other pros that i know that live in tampa that uh my friend joe he Joe Lally, he doesn't compete too often anymore, but he turned pro and he's local here. Um, but no, I try to I try to keep in contact with every you know as much as many people as I can. Yeah. But uh, yeah, sometimes it's a little tough. This year, let's talk about the Olympia again here as we kind of wrap things up. But this year's Olympia is unique because it's in a different time, right? It's at Plant yeah. Hollywood. Uh, it's at the it's at an amazing facility. Like it's gonna, I mean. I don't want to discredit the the Orleans Arena by by any means, but the the new placement yeah. of the show is going to be leaps and bounds better for both the competitors and the viewing audience. Should we be allowed to view it? A lot has been yeah. said about obviously being Dexter's last year. We have uh, Flex jumping up to the open, and we have Phil Heath coming back. So let's talk about that open a little bit. As a bodybuilding fan, are you excited? Dude, I love it, man. This year is going to be amazing, dude. Like, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm really, really excited for it, man. Yeah, like you said, Dexter, it's kind of bittersweet. First bodybuilder I ever, ever met, um, ever, you know, ever saw, um, retiring. So um, definitely, you know, definitely it's going to be kind of weird. Um, you know, and we, I kind of got a connection with him. My my cousin is uh, best friends with his um his his daughter and his son in law they went to they went to the Air Force Academy together. Cool. I remember when his his daughter first went to the academy. I literally called my cousin up. I said, "Hey man, Dexter Jackson's daughter is like just making it the other day. You need to find her <laughs> and be friends with her." And he ended up doing it. Yeah, so I don't know. <laughs> he ended up working out. Yeah, yeah. So um, I mean, he was there at their wedding and everything like that. So he goes to the house every now and again. So um, no, nah, so we got you know. Um, it's kind of weird that he's retiring now, but uh, 
I'm happy for Flex. I finally got to hang out with Flex like two weeks ago and train at this gym and meet him. And I'll say this, man, there's not many pros that I've met that I'm a fan, like that inspire me that after I meet them, I have that same type of feeling. I may still respect them, but it's not quite as, as high, you know what I mean? Um, Flex Lewis and Lee Labrada, once I met them, nothing, nothing changed. Mm-hmm. I still am like a super fan. <laughs> um, yeah, man, Phil coming back, I'm excited. I'm a big fan of Brandon Curry. Mm-hmm. I love him as an ambassador for the sport. I think, I wish he would have been able to do more, but you know, you can't really do much this year. But even the stuff he was doing, like before everything shut down, like going to talking to schools, right. going to different events, you know, most most um, people don't do that, you know? So let's, so I'm, I'm gonna, I, this is not to stir up any drama at all, Terrence, but does Brandon Curry, uh, I mean, I, feel, I think if I'm Brian Curry, I feel disrespected because everybody's talking about Phil returning. Everybody's talking about the Blade retiring. And a lot of people have said that his win last year was a fluke because, you know, Phil wasn't there and Sean wasn't there. So I, I don't know if you know him personally, but if you were Brandon Curry and, and you've heard these rumblings, like, it, would that fuel your training and fuel you to be the best you possibly can be in December? So... From what I've I've watched a lot of Brandon Curry interviews since um, he became us. I watch every time I to Olympia, I watch these guys' interviews, and I you you learn stuff about him. And it's funny because I mean it's simple stuff. Like when Phil he lost his Olympia, he literally said he wasn't gonna compete last year. A lot of people don't know that. Yeah. And he's because he said because of the surgery, the first surgery he had, it didn't heal. And he said this year I'm having two, so I know I can't compete this year. But people forget. So like anyway. Um, Watching his interviews, because Brandon gets a lot of shit, even from other Mr. Olympics, which has got to suck. You know, Dorian Yates um, said he wouldn't, what, place top 10. Ronnie Coleman laughed and said something similar. You know, he handles he handles stuff very, very well, man. I don't I don't know if he, he just confides in maybe his wife and his close friends, but every time I see him speak upon stuff like that, he has nothing but respect for those people that still talk negatively to him. And he just takes it in stride, man, which, um, but I know if it was me, um, yeah, I would feel like I have something to prove for sure. <laughs> I definitely would feel like I have something to prove. I think he probably still does feel like it. Sure. Because see, I remember seeing some interviews saying he wasn't at his best and he said he think he, he can do better. So, um, yeah, man, I would, yeah, it's definitely, if he can, if he can get this one, it would be awesome. Um. Obviously, no one knows what Phil's look like looks right. like right now. You know, they just saw that one photo he posted with a tank top. Yeah, which was like just a couple. couple wasn't, that was just recently, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. His wife posted it, yeah. and people people saw that one photo and was like, "Ah, he's gonna win the Miss Olympia." I was like, "How can you?" His issue was his stomach, and that's the one thing he's hiding in this photo. It's never been his shoulders and arms. His arms right. always look epic, you know. Um, so yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so I'm excited to see how Brandon does, man. And I wish, you know, I wish him nothing but um, the best. I think, I will say, I think if Phil is at his best, then I, I, I really don't see how Brandon could win it. Um, but if you know, if Phil is off again, I think Brandon could, uh, could definitely hold his own against him. You know. Yeah, and then if Dexter brings what he brought in the Arnold too, I mean, he looked good. I, I mean, again, people were like Bonac. Dexter it was one A one B very similar to like your 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 spot right like so yeah. um, it should be interesting uh, and obviously let's not forget about Flex Lewis being up there I think it'll be interesting to see how he does yeah. you know I'm excited to see what he looks like everyone's no one's talking about him because they can only see him you know how he's looked in the two twelve 
But I guarantee you, I mean, like... Well, you just saw him two weeks ago, right? Like, so, I mean, but here's the thing, like... Any pictures he posts online, he's always wearing big baggy stuff, so nobody really sees. Yeah, I didn't know what he was like. Yeah, yeah no idea, <laughs> no idea. It, I mean, so a lot of people think he's gonna do well, and I hope he does. I think he's gonna do well. I think he'll be top five um, for sure. I mean, um, anything outside of that, I, I don't. I have no idea. Yeah, you you just said too, like he's one of the guys that you walked away from, like with an all time high respect level. He's, I, you know, him and Jay Cutler are the two nicest people I've ever met. Like in terms of mm-hmm. just, and they don't they didn't have to be right, but they are just. Yeah. They were sweethearts of people, just great to talk to. Um, so that's cool. Two two twelve will be interesting this year. Uh, like I said, we had Sean Clear down here a couple weeks ago. He's obviously oh, cool. you guys are, are attached through John Meadows. Um, yeah, I'm. I think my favorite division in bodybuilding is yours. I think it's the best look. I like the way that you guys look. Um, we don't need to get into the stomach issues because I think hopefully we're going to pass <laughs> that in terms of the open. But sure. your your physiques are just I'm, it, to me they're they're the best looking, and uh, I'm stoked about what you guys bring to the table. Um, what's outside of you competing? What do you, are you most looking forward to the open this year? Actually, I think, man, honestly, I think a lot of the class is going to be interesting. Definitely the open for sure. It's a lot of new factors in that one. 212 should be interesting too. Um, you got Kamal coming back to try mm-hmm. to defend his title. Derek, uh, you know, George is the wild card now yep. coming in. Um, We'll see how Keon does um, at his pro debut and see how, you know, it depends on that if he makes it or not. But he's looking good. He's looking great. Um, obviously, Sean, he – I feel like I have a lot of similarities with him, not physique-wise, but um, each and every year he's getting better and better. You know, he hasn't hit – like, a lot of pros, they get to a certain point and they stop making improvements, right. you know? Yeah, he's. I mean, every year he's improved. Last year he finished third. So, I mean, this, this could be – and even not just placing wise though, like he, I think I saw um, he put on maybe like seven pounds this year or something. And even for him, that's a lot. I mean, that's seven pounds for anybody is a lot, but for him, that's a lot, a lot. You know, being five two, I think. That's crazy. So yeah, yeah, man. Like I can't. Like every time I think of oh, that's the best his physique's gonna look. You know, he's just like oh nope, gonna gonna yeah. keep <laughs> growing and building, man. Well, I yeah, also what I also think is great about the weekend, and I don't want to leave the podcast without talking about, it, is that the Mrs. Olympia is back. Like the female title is, is back, and and Jake For Wood sure. is a big proponent of that because he obviously has been a huge supporter of females in bodybuilding. As am I. I know you are too. I think we mm-hmm. all are. I mean, the women work extremely hard. But it, and get uh, nothing for it, really. Exactly, <laughs> nothing. nothing. And sometimes they don't even get a table, you know, uh, yeah. at the meet and greets. So um, the new leadership of the Olympia, we, we're kind of seeing it in motion now. They're, they're working quickly to move things around. Are, are you excited about the future of the sport? I'm very – yeah, I, I'm just seeing what Jake did with women's bodybuilding, that gives me a lot of hope um, for sure. Uh, he, did a, he did a lot for those women, man. He, he had them, like, on contracts to travel around – like the wins, the strength team, mm-hmm. um, the prizes he gave for the uh, the Rising Phoenix, which is like it was like the best show yep. they could do uh, for them for a while. He gave out a car, he gave out money. Um, I think what Helly has won it, Helly Trevino's won it. I think the last two last two years, I think. So um, I'm excited to see. I'm excited to see what he does with this show, and uh, you know, shout out to those women for you know continuing and, and bringing it back. Yeah. yeah. I think that him and Dan Solomon have been doing a good job of incorporating some entertainment aspects to it. I mean, next year we have the Rock Show finally. Um, that was supposed to happen this year, so I mean, yeah. we don't know what that's going to be like. But that sounds like it could be super exciting, uh, which mm-hmm. is which is all good news for this sport to bring some maybe sure. new eyeballs into it. So, uh, dude, I wish you nothing but the best. I hopefully 
if they allow spectators and, and everything goes on as planned, we will be there. We will be covering it. Um, and I think you're going to do well. I, I would not – I mean, yeah, top three is top three's attainable, Terrence. You got this. <laughs> yeah, man, I'm excited, man. I will say, dude, like, you know, I've been doing this since the beginning for Classic, man, and each and every year – these every, the physiques that pop up get crazier and crazier, you know. Um, I want you know shout out to uh, DeAndre Campbell, dude looks fantastic. Um, there's this he's in South America, I can't think of where. I think his name's like Fabian or something. Okay. He looks crazy. He looks crazy. I remember watching him. He he turned pro, and literally like I think the same day or the next day he competed as a pro and won and won that uh, won his trip to the Olympia. Um, there's some other guys too that have been looking very, very good. Um, you know, Logan, Logan, he, he just won the show. Um, dude, every year, man, I remember the, the funny thing is a lot of guys who were at the Olympia, I was just looking at it today because it popped up in my, um, archives four years ago. A lot of guys in Olympia wouldn't, wouldn't make it today, to be honest with you. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you look at guys like Arash, Arash is still there, but he's been dropping lately. Um, Danny Hester, you know, first time, first classic ever has been dropping. Um, and there's a lot of other names, um, in that top five, that top 10 that can't even, um, make it anymore. Right. So, you know, it's just a blessing to be able to, for my physique to progress and progress to keep up <laughs> with, with this talent, man. Yeah. Well, we live in the world, obviously social media, right? You can look at their progress picks and whatever they post online. But as your coach says, John, John's very notorious for this. Do not do the compare and despair model. Like, focus on your shit and, and do sure. the best that you can, sure. right? Because it'll get in your head if you start looking at somebody else and say, God damn, that dude's going to finish one, two. I mean, I need at least whatever, right? But <laughs> Dude, <laughs> I'm a fan of the sport, so I I know my opinion isn't very good. Like, I'm always looking at guys backstage and like, oh, these dudes look awesome. And then um, – I beat them, you know. So, <laughs> so yeah. Well, because you, you see yourself every single day, right? You're you're the world's biggest critic of your own self. So, um, I think, yeah, like I said, I think you're going to do great. Uh, I'm excited to see your posing routine, and uh, I think the whole world is excited just about you know bodybuilding being back in, in the center eye. So, I appreciate you coming on. If you guys want to follow Terrence, he is on all the social media platforms at rough underscore diesel on Instagram. Uh, any other plugs? You 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 also do posing coaching as well, correct? Yeah, just roughdiesel.com. Yeah, yeah. So. Uh, and I mean, whatever the price of admission is, pay it because this dude is the best in the business. So uh, I appreciate it, dude. Thank you so much. Awesome, man. Boom, there you have it, my boy Terrence Ruffin. I think, you know, Terrence is a realist, right? Says so top five. Um, and I appreciate that. I respect that because a lot of people might say and, and you know, live under a rock and say, I'm going to win. And I mean, I think Terrence obviously is going to be his biggest critic, right? He's going to look at other people and, and, and you hear me say it. Like backstage, he sees somebody, he's like, man, that guy looks good. He focuses on his shit, and he's got the coaches to, to remind him of that, and John Meadows and hypertrophy coach Joe Bennett. And anything is possible in December. Anybody can bring an A package. Somebody can take a step back. We just don't know until we get there. So, you know, he's working on his posing routine now. Training starts now. It is game time starting now. And I'm super excited for him. And I think, again, like I said in the open, that he's a huge uh, a benefit to the sport. He's an advocate for the sport. Uh, he's a fan favorite. If you don't know who he is yet, you definitely will. He's young, and I, like I said to him, I think the classic physique is, in my opinion, my favorite uh, category because I think the bodies and the physique looks the best. 
And uh, it'll be super interesting to see how he does. And I, I obviously wish him um, nothing but the best. And I think he's going to do extremely well. If you like what you're hearing on the podcast, hit that subscribe button. Subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, watching via YouTube. Hit that subscribe button as well. Help us out by writing us a review. Helps out the algorithm. Fitnessinformant.com is our web platform. Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, Twitter, and all those as well. Uh, Fitness Informant. Until next time, I am Jordan. Bye. 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 Bye.